Hey friends, have you thought about e-commerce, opening an e-commerce store? It's something that is becoming increasingly popular in this modern era that we are in. And I have the pleasure of hosting a wonderful guest, Miss Paige Fetterson. Paige began investing in real estate during 2012 when she was 20 years old. Her initial investments were very successful. She used that as motivation to continue learning about real estate and then began learning more about how to transition from residential investments to apartments. In 2020, she worked full-time as an asset manager for a large investment firm. Being a natural-born entrepreneur, the corporate life didn't quite suit her. After COVID started, she saw how e-commerce was growing, so she decided to dive into it completely. She did $30,000 in sales in her first month. She continues to grow and learn in the e-commerce space. Her business is on track to do multiple six figures in 2021, so it's really cool because she started out as a real estate investor, turned e-commerce store turned e-commerce store coach, right? So now she helps people start stores. So it's a great, great asset. We talk about real estate in this podcast. We talk about e-commerce. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Passive Income Examiner Show, helping you navigate the muddy waters of building successful revenue streams beyond the nine to five. I'm your host, Lindsay Sutherland, mama of four who has a passion for living my best life and helping you do the same. I'm honored you're here and excited to offer you valuable and inspiring content. I believe we can have the freedom we desire and the happiness we deserve. Thanks for joining me. Paige, thank you so much for joining us today. And I'd love for you to start by telling us a little bit about you and uh, how you kind of got started on your journey in real estate. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I originally uh, started my journey of passive income with real estate. I bought my first house uh, when I was 20 years old. It was the year 2012. I was living in San Diego at the time, college area, and I was talking to my aunt on the phone. She told me that I should buy a house and I I just thought she was crazy and she explained, you know, the whole thing how I would be saving money on rent and how market cycles work and how this was, you know, a really good uh time of the real estate cycle to buy in. Um so I did. I ended up paying cash for a property and doubled my money from the property in about 6 years. I had somewhere free to live for two years um, and ended up selling my first property off market to my tenant. And then I did my first 1031 exchange. Wow. So how did you um, find this particular property? Was it just a traditional retail purchase your first time around or was it more of a, a, a deal, so to speak? No, it was a regular on market. I mean, at that time, the market was so low, you could basically, you know, pick any house and it would appreciate in value over time. Um, so my aunt referred me to a realtor. Uh, she was amazing. Yeah, it was an on-market deal. And yeah, the rest is history, really. That's really great. Okay, mm-hmm. so that kind of got you a taste for investing. And you're like, hey, wait, this is oh, pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So where did it go from there? So um, throughout the six years that I owned the property, I kind of started buying and selling um, a couple more. Um, when I went to sell the property, because I knew the market was high. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about it doubling in value. Like I was so surprised by that. And I was so caught off guard. It was really exciting to me. Um, so when I sold the property, I rolled it over into um, a duplex. 
And being that it was a 1031 exchange, I felt like I didn't have very much time. Um, I really needed to park my money somewhere. Looking back, you know, I wish I did some things differently. Probably should have just paid the taxes, but I kind of let that 1031 and all the taxes I was going to have to pay get to my head. So I don't think I really made, well, I didn't make necessarily like the best real estate decision after that. And so that is when I bought my seminar property. Everyone knows their seminar property. It's the property that teaches them um, a lot. And so being, you know, young, I definitely made my mistakes. Gosh, that duplex, it got broken into. I mean, I was growled at by my tenants. (laughs) I mean, they were... It, it was it was insane. Everything that I could go wrong did. I mean, I had squatters. It got broken into numerous times. And so when I think of passive investing with real estate, that's not how I... And I, I sold the property. So that was my last real estate investment that I had. So I don't really think of real estate as being passive, but don't get me wrong. There's definitely passive ways to it. But I was just putting so much work in, into this property. If I can, I want to back up a second because I don't think yeah. everybody knows what a 1031 exchange is. Um, okay. Explain that for, for them. Yeah. So um, being that I bought the property at $180,000 in Southern California, you cannot find prices like that anymore. Um, I feel old now. <laughs> but um, so I paid one eighty dollars for the property and I sold it for three sixty. dollars So I would have had to pay taxes on $180,000 um, in capital gains. So 30% of 180 um, is about like $60,000. And that was a lot. So in order to avoid paying $60,000 in taxes, uh, you would have to sell that property and then roll it over into another one. So I, I sold the first property. Um, I identified as a 1031 exchange. I let my escrow coordinator know I was going to be 1031-ing this property um, prior to the close of escrow. And um, I then have, I think it's 45 days to identify replacement property and then nine, uh, 180 days to close on said replacement property. You can identify up to three replacement properties. So did I, is that a good Yeah, so basically it well? seems like you, you, know, you, you have to kind of already be aware of what you're doing. It's not like you can just pull the money out and then, oh, wait, I think I'm going to put it over here to avoid the taxes as a last ditch effort. Like it's something you have to go into the exchange ahead of time, knowing that, make it known. Yes. Yes. Make sure you tell your escrow coordinator that you are doing a 1031 exchange before you close. If you do it after you close escrow, I've heard of people calling and saying, I want to do a 1031 the day after. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you know, what's crazy is a lot of times, I think some people's biggest fear about real estate investing is this ugly tenant situation. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I've talked to uh, people who've had this one-off experience and they're like, you know, Mm -hmm. I can count on one hand, all the, I call them ugly tenants, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but how would you say, I mean, did that just put like a bad taste in your mouth or was it something that you were just like, hold it, the, the, maybe I just didn't go about this the right way. Had I redone it, it would have been a different situation. Um, do you have any insight into that? Yeah. Well, I bought in in a city that like to, an, to a novice investor, you would get why they would invest in it. It was a city called Stockton. 
it's it's outside of the bay area it's like southeast so you would think that people would kind of start moving there from the bay because um housing was so expensive over there but once i started learning more about real estate investing and what to look for and like specific data points um to look for in a city like you know you want to have crime going down and you want to have population trending upward and you know things that that seem sort of more basic to me now. I I didn't learn them at the time. I would say it's really really hard to turn those around. Like I mean, it's kind of comparative to like Detroit. There you could make money there, but it is it's a challenging uh, market definitely. So I would say if you're doing a 1031 exchange, start planning ahead, like way ahead, um, and have that sort of game plan going into it. Um, I think I waited a little bit. I also had a fitness company at the time, so it was hard for me to, you know, balance both of those. But I would say, you know, the dollars and cents for me was definitely in the real estate. I mean, I wish I just closed the business for a little bit and then just focused solely on that because, you know, I I had way more money in that than the fitness business. Um, <laughs> and I would also say going for bigger properties like apartment communities instead of duplexes, um, the numbers didn't make sense really for me to be able to hire a property manager. So now we have this problem property and I'm the property management of it. And I live five hours from Stockton at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That makes it even harder. I can mm-hmm. imagine. See, yeah. It's, it's cool to share these kinds of things, I think, because I think a people can learn from them. I mean, I, I know I do. I'm like, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. so much sense. And I love what you're saying about, you know, um, the researching the neighborhood, you hit on some really key points about crime going down, housing mm-hmm. up values going up. Where mm-hmm. do you go to to find out these inf- these now that you've done it a little more? How do you mm-hmm. um, evaluate a property? Do you have a place to check it out? Um, I have a sheet I received from um, from Neil Bawa with Grow Capitus that I'm using right now. It's um, it has like 10 data points. You go on city-data a lot and um, look at, they have a lot of data from there. So um, if you want, email me. I can send you what I'm using. I'll give you guys my email at the at the end. So Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So you, you then, now you're moving into, you just, so you didn't give up completely on real estate. You just kind of like dusted off and we're like, all right, let me look at this again. And what's next? And then you move yeah. into apartments straight from duplex. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's what I would like to start getting into. I ended up, um, selling that property, thank God. And then, um, all my, my single families, all of that, I sold them, um, beginning of 2020. So right before COVID, of course, you know, my property, one of them, uh, shot up in value because it was in the suburbs. Um, I had that property in Sacramento. So that one rose like 10% after I sold it, but it's fine. Um, so I, I've kind of, I'm liquid now and then waiting for, I'm starting to to look at partnering with people for apartments and bigger deals. So Mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. Um, I've kind of been focusing on e-commerce a lot, which we'll get into definitely. Um, But yeah, starting to kind of switch gears back to real estate a bit as well. So love it. right now, nothing yet. And it makes sense. And I, I think I want to share a little bit with our listeners about why I think we're both kind of looking down that trial, because Mm -hmm. when you, when you look at how many doors you have as an investor, 
Um, and you have, let's say you only have five and they're all residential real estate. Uh, when one is vacant or you're having problems with one, mm-hmm. it can feel so much more burdensome mm-hmm. than if you have even a sixplex. I mean, I know a sixplex yeah. is a full apartment, but when you have six units and one is having a problem, you still have five others to help carry through on mm-hmm. that, that whole property. So it definitely mm-hmm. makes more sense. The sooner I say always get started in residential, um, especially when the time is right and do your research. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't rush into it. But once you get a few under your belt, I say try to move into larger plexes or apartments as soon as possible Mm -hmm. for that for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. And if it for people who are busy and don't have time uh, to go to properties and, you know, line up the financing and do all the due diligence, it gives people a way to invest passively as well. Um, and obviously you get economies of scale. So when you're buying, you know, an 80 unit apartment community, those might be going for uh, the units might be going for, you know, 60 to $80,000 per door instead of, you know, the 180,000 that I spent just for one door. So, so in the meantime, you've been focused on uh, building Amazon stores. So tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about that. I'm really excited to hear more. Yeah. Um, so let me let me back up just a little bit. So I, I was kind of really struggling with this duplex. And um, I, I had always been very entrepreneurial. So I, I really, I was at the point where I needed to get a job. And I'm like completely heartbroken because I'm very entrepreneurial. <laughs> And so I get a job at a, at a real estate firm um, as an asset manager. So asset managers typically um, manage the, the asset. They manage the property manager uh, of apartment communities. And um, I, I loved the job, but I knew it wasn't for me. So when kind of COVID came about in, in March, I saw that, that things were really going towards e-commerce. And I'm like, okay, well, I have this job. I want to get out of it what can I do while continuing to work, but also work on my, my escape plan basically. So, um, that's when I found e-commerce and real estate. So, um, I started a, a, an Amazon store and it's basically, you're, you're basically drop shipping. So you're finding, uh, items that are selling for cheaper from other websites and then listing it on Amazon for more expensive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Do you want to, Okay. So, I mean, it makes sense to me because I've, um, I understand it. I've done some research on it. I couldn't barely go figure it out right now. I think I first heard about it when I read the four hour work week. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. He, he really talked a lot about setting up, um, you know, passive income strategies through Mm -hmm. drop shipping and lots of various other ways, Mm t-shirts like that. But yeah, but I've never. Um, it, frankly, honestly, Paige, I think what's kept me from just diving in all in on that is the technical mm-hmm. aspect. I feel like, and I'm sure probably I'm expressing what many people would think of as, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that sounds like a like a technical nightmare. And I got to be honest, I get frustrated with Wix website. <laughs> They're like basic, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um. So basically, what dropshipping is is you're not buying the inventory up front. Um, you're placing the inventory, the listings on your store. And then when you get an order, then you turn around and buy the products from your supplier and ship it directly to the customer. So you're not paying for any inventory upfront. It's a good way to learn about e-commerce and for beginners. So I did this 
And I, I love baking. So I really focused in on the baking niche and finding suppliers that were selling something cheaper that was selling for more expensive on Amazon. And uh, we're in the month of June, July, and I find an ice cream maker and I put it on my store and I get my first sale. I remember I was at work. So I like placed the order and, you know, sent it to the customer. And I remember I was like jumping up and down in my office. I was so excited. And then um, one morning I checked my email and I had like 10 more orders. And I'm like, okay, this is exciting. So I'm like starting to wake up from work a little bit earlier to place orders. And I didn't even have an Excel spreadsheet to track the orders. Um, I didn't even know how to pull the orders from Amazon. I didn't have a software. I did not have a VA, an assistant. I had, I had nothing. I, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm starting to place them. I'm getting a little tired, but it's okay. And you know, I'm keeping up with it. And then I, I would check my email and I would have, you know, like another 10 orders. I think the first batch, they were losing money, but end, ended up helping me anyways. So I start doing this and pretty soon it gets to the point where I can't really keep up with the orders anymore. I remember going to work that week and my eyes were so bloodshot and I was just <laughs> so tired. It started getting really out of hand really quickly, out of hand in a good way. Um, so what happened was Amazon, I think it had something to do with COVID, but Amazon sold out of the product. So I'm on the same listing as Amazon, like Amazon is actually selling the product. So when they sold out, I was basically able to take over the market. I was able to, to capture those sales. And I mean, it was an ice cream maker literally in the middle of somewhere. Like it was on the first page on Amazon. Everyone and their mom was buying this. And so, um, 4th of July we did, I, well, at this point I called a really close friend of mine at the time and I, it was, he was a guy friend and I'm like, Hey dude, can you just, can you just help me place these orders for me? I'll give you 20% of my net, which is really high, obviously, but I just, I didn't want to give up on these sales. So I'm like, just help me out, please, please. I'll pay you. You know, it's COVID. I know you're unemployed. Just help me out. So he did. Fourth uh, of July, we did like seven grand in sales. I remember I was at the beach, and my phone kept ringing and ringing with sales. I mean, I couldn't take a walk without my dog. With I couldn't take my dog on a walk without my phone going off. I mean, people were like calling me. It was insane. Um, and when I was at the beach, like playing volleyball with my friends on Fourth of July, and I kept getting orders, I was like, "This is this is insane. This is a very scalable business. I think I'm on to something." So I ended up doing 40 grand in Amazon my first month. Wow. Which which is insane. Like Amazon will shut down your account for sales velocity if you go too fast, too quick. I'm I don't know how I didn't get shut down. I I don't know how it happened, but God is good. I swear he was involved in this. Um yeah, that was my first month. That's crazy. I mean, that's awesome crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm on to something. I think I made like eight grand after everything was said and done. And I was so motivated. So I'm like, okay, you know, I kind of told my friend, like, I, I can't really afford to pay you 20%. Um, you know, I know I can find an assistant in like the Philippines for like $3 an hour. So um, I, I got an assistant. And as soon as <laughs> I got the assistant, the product died. Amazon came back in stock. 
Mm. And it had been go this we're in like beginning of September at this point. So it had been going for a little while and then it just died. I had a couple other products, all of them died at like the same time. And so I have this assistant and I really liked her. She's really passionate. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Like, I don't want to lay her off. What do I do? I started learning more, started learning more. And, um, I was able to build a pretty good system to where, um, you know, I was able to, to train her completely and, and build up the store and kind of start to take myself out of it. So, um, I started doing that and, yeah, things have been going really well as of, I mean, I don't even know what the numbers are, but I think 2020, I did, um, 140 grand in gross revenue. That's great. So, so you basically have it set up now so that your VA does everything from building the store to managing the store. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so she that is totally passive. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, now we're really looking at something passive. So, um, yeah, customer service, all of that. I mean, it's all handled. So it's been really great. Um, I was able to, in December, leave my job and um, go back to being an entrepreneur full time. So right before Christmas, it was super exciting. And I feel just so blessed to be in this in this position right now. Okay, so now Lindsay's curiosity is kicking in. <laughs> okay, yeah. so I have like a plethora of questions going through mm-hmm. my mind. So first, mm-hmm. what I'm curious, how did you, where did you go to get the information to even figure out, you know, you obviously stair-stepped your way through it. You kind of worked on mm-hmm. the problem in front of you, but where mm-hmm. were you going to get your information? I have a friend that uh, was doing the same thing. So I picked his brain a little bit and people ask me, they're like, you know, what, do you have a YouTube channel that you watched? Um, I'm going to sound, this is going to be annoying, but I, I really, I honestly don't. Um, I, I have leaned on my friends who I've known is doing this. Your network is your net worth 100%. Um, I just went to a mastermind in Florida with, uh, a couple of the people that kind of opened my eyes to all of this and I'm forever thankful for them. Um, so I really wouldn't be here without, you know, my team, my friends, my aunt who got me into real estate. I mean, everything, it all sort of just lined up, but I, I really don't have a YouTube channel to recommend to you. I'm so sorry. Um, well, and but you, yeah. have, you definitely have that entrepreneurial spirit, which I think is willingness to take a risk, willingness to just try it out. Yeah. Um, and I guess, let me ask you this. Did mm-hmm. you at any moment in time have fear? Like, was this, did you wonder, was this the right move? Or did you just feel like, no, I'll just see and we'll just see where it goes. I, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I think I knew I have nothing to lose. I mean, if my account got shut down, I would deal with that when that happened. Like, yeah, I had a couple friends saying, you know, you don't really want to do more than 10 K your first month. And I was like, whatever. Um, (laughs) so not really. I feel like for me, it was something that, that has kind of come pretty naturally to me knowing uh, e-commerce, I think growing up on the computer, being a millennial, I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel, I feel really lucky and blessed. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. And, and that, and I think that ad- attitude, that mental attitude is, mm-hmm. is what's serving you the best because, Thank you. you know, I'm just, I've managed a lot of people and I can honestly see in you that you just have this willingness to just be, and it's going to work out and you're going to just play it by ear and take it one step at a time. And that taking action and moving forward one little piece, one little piece. Hey, you know, it works mm-hmm. out. It's, it's not yeah. if it's when. 
<laughs> yeah. And I think having, having my first corporate job, I mean, corporate is, is insane. And like every, every time I had a, a bad day at work, I would just use that for motivation. And it's like, Oh, you want to treat me like this? Okay. Well, I'm just going to work so much harder on my business to the point that like, I'm not going to be here soon. Um, <laughs> nothing, nothing motivates an entrepreneur more than uh, a corporate job. Yeah. And um, I think having, you know, I felt really defeated with the duplex in Stockton. Um, I felt completely defeated. So I really was like dying to have that win again. And I, I just used both of those as fuel. So, I mean, it really couldn't have gotten any less, any worse than where I was at. I mean, to give you reference in 2019, when I sold the duplex and was dealing with all of that, um, I lost $27,000 throughout the whole year. Like I claimed on my taxes, negative $27,000. So it'll help with my capital gains. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then in 2020, I mean, I made over $200,000. So, um, I mean, when I saw the the 2019 number, the negative 27, it just, I used that as motivation. I was like, I'm never going to be in this situation again. So that's fantastic. I love your story. My gosh, you're so inspiring. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So back to the drop shipping thing. So Mm -hmm. when you, you get in there, um, how technical is it? Is it something that like a dummy like me could do, (laughs) you know, or is it something that, you know, definitely takes a little bit of techie, but it's not anything too bad. Um, I mean, it really depends on, on how you want to do it. A basic knowledge of Excel is good. Um, there are some formulas and pulling the reports from Amazon directly to an Excel, knowing how to do that is pretty helpful. Having a basic understanding of Amazon and what a BSR is and what a buy box is and, um, things like that is definitely helpful as well. But I would say, you know, it's going to take a learning curve for sure. Um, and understanding, you know, the data, having a data-driven, um, mindset going into it and looking at, you know, how long it takes for things to go in stock and out of stock and the, the price fluctuation of the specific product is definitely beneficial to have. But, um, I, I do know people that have limited, um, technical skills and technology, aren't too technology oriented that are doing well in it. So, I mean, it really depends up up to the person and like how much they want to put into it and how much they're really willing to learn about it. Yeah. So how do you, how do you find your drop shipping company? Uh, What am I trying? The suppliers. Yeah. So now, now I have a software that helps me with this. So it kind of points me in the direction of um, I have software that will tell me, Hey, this product is selling for higher this one is selling for lower. And then um, from there, though, you still need to know, you know, how often is it selling? Because you don't want to put something on your store that's only selling one or two times a month. Um, that's kind of Amazon's not going to really like that too much. So it has to also have about um, a BSR of 150K or less. So a BSR is the best seller's rank. It, it, does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So there's the sweet spot, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is a sweet spot. And then you also have to calculate in the Amazon fees because Amazon um, charges you 15% for a referral fee. So you have to calculate that in as well. But um, yeah, there's there's software to help you with it now. Now I'm <laughs> aware of it. So yeah. That's great. 
Um, yeah. So does the does the software also help you connect with the drop shipping company, like wherever you know the ice cream machine was getting sent from? Did they put you together with that, or did you have to like find those people on your own and set up an account, or was there some sort of like process that you had to go through for that? Yeah, so there's like the software uses a, a few suppliers. Um, so you go to the websites of the specific suppliers of the software. So ah, wow. gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So everybody's kind of using the same system. Once you get into it, you figure that out. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's very intriguing. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really. You kind of got my my brain twisting here, going. Hmm, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> Well, and I'm a big proponent of diversifying, you know, and having, Mm -hmm. you know, having multiple streams of income, because like you said, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden something can go flat or the market can change Mm -hmm. or you don't know. Yeah. What what do you sell in your store now? What kind of products do you sell now? I like home goods stores. Um, Like I have a few grocery items, um, home good stuff, like, um, you know, cleaning products and like bean bags and some furniture and um, yeah, stuff like that. That's great. So like a decor store. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of various, various items. This is very, very (laughs) eye-opening. I think the first guest I've had on that has done uh, drop shipping. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. I looked at your, your podcast last night and it looks like, like this is definitely different than what your other um, guests have done. So hope to add a lot of value to you guys. Yeah. It's exciting. Cause I think, I think now more than ever, people want to get out of the rat race, but they don't want to mm-hmm. work, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're yeah. Not working. Why do we want to like make us tell yep. job? So coming up with something like, you know, this, that's a cr- and fully passive. So, oh, mm-hmm. I got another really good question because I've hired mm-hmm. a VA before and it wasn't a good mm-hmm. experience. Okay. I'm, I, and mostly it was, I think, time delay and just really what bothered me. And this came from managing people, you know, um, over the years. Mm-hmm. So I found that I would explain myself and then the VA would come back and do like basic bare, bare minimum of what I was wanting and really? charge me through the moon. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, seriously, I could have done what you just did in 30 minutes and you're charging me five hours. Like what the world? Really? Yes. It was so aggravating. And I felt trapped because I didn't want to mm-hmm. be rude and just say, mm-hmm. like, this isn't real. You can't do, you got it. You know, I, and it just yeah. feel, like I said, stuck. And, and so I just kind of gave up on it. I was like, I'd rather just do it myself. So how did you tell us how you found your VA and then how did you work with your VA to teach them? Did they already know about this Amazon thing or was it something you had to teach them? Yeah. Um, so it's actually a funny story. It's, it's weird because I feel like the stars really aligned for me in e-commerce. Um, and I know this isn't for everyone, but I have a referral for you guys if you guys are interested. So um, back in my personal trainer days, I went to, you know, obviously the gym and um, I met a guy at the gym who I didn't know at the time was into importing and e-commerce. And I think he saw something on Facebook that I posted about um you know, me working in e-commerce now. So we kind of connected on that. And I told him, you know, this is at the point where I was making a lot in sales, but I didn't have a VA. And I told him I was paying my friend 20% and yada, yada. And he put me in contact with someone who um, found my VA for me. And he did a great job. Um, his name's Daniel. If you want to email me, I would love to give you his information. Um, 
he, he found VA for me. She had no experience. So yeah, there definitely were times when I was frustrated. Um, I'm like, you know, we're trying to learn this um, ourselves and trying to do the best that we can. And I'm training this person. And sometimes I did wish that I, I hired someone more experienced, but they're also more expensive. And I, everything was so new. Um, I didn't want to commit to someone who's too experienced and have to pay them. And of course the product just died. So, you know, there was that. So, um, so yeah, he helped me out. He found a great one. And I went with someone who was passionate over had the experience because you can't teach passion, but we can learn this like together. So, you know, I I've taught someone a skill who, you know, they will be able, she has a son and, you know, I'm now an employer and I, I do take it really seriously. I do train this person a lot and spend a lot of time with them. And, um, it is rewarding to see definitely. That's fantastic. What a, yeah. what a gift. <laughs> Works both yeah, and, I mean, especially during COVID too, you know, it, the Philippines is, you know, a very poor country. And I was just talking to her about this last night and, you know, she's so thankful that throughout COVID she can work from home when a lot of people right now in the Philippines especially don't. So, um, yeah, that's been a really rewarding experience for me. Well, you definitely have got my needle turning. I hope our listeners <laughs> are over there like, oh yeah, well, I gotta, so how can people find you that you would, and tell me also a little bit, like, how are you willing to help? I think we, we talked pre-interview, you said you might be willing to help people out. Yeah. So, um, I do offer a service where I manage your drop shipping store for you. Um, you sign up for your store through Amazon. It's a win-win situation. So I utilize the client's capital. So um, what we do is you basically go to a supplier and you sign up for an account, you enter in your, your credit card information, and then you give me the login. We open your store, we put items on your store. When we get an order, I go to the supplier's website and um, I place the order. I cannot see your credit card information. All of that is confidential. But it's a really passive way to be able to, you know, have a side hustle and continue to earn more money. And, you know, maybe one day you can leave your nine to five like I did. I have many clients who have signed up and are really happy and excited that they did. So do you mind me asking you like what people could expect monthly from like that, how the, how the numbers break down so they kind of have an idea of if it's something they want to reach out to you, what to expect? Yeah. So there's two options. Um, you can get a new store and that one, uh, goes for $25,000 up front with a 70, 30 profit split, 70 to you, 30 to me. Um, so that's for the new store. So the pros and cons with the new stores, it's 25 grand. Um, but it takes a little bit longer to, to build the store. I kind of touched on this a little bit before, um, you know, Amazon hitting, when you hit a certain sale velocity very soon out the gate, it does increase the risk of your account getting suspended. You know, you don't have as many seller reviews. Um, you, you're just not as established. So Amazon is a bit more weary. Uh, so those take a bit longer to build, obviously, because you're starting from the ground up. Um, so I'd like to say within a year, you could be expecting to see about 10K net profit, but it will take, you know, a year to get there. So a season store, those go for 40,000, but we can, you know, hit the ground running and start immediately ranking up those sales and getting them profitable, you know, right out the gate. Um, those, 
I mean, I'd like to say a modest three to five K in the beginning net. And then as the store continues, you know, to get reviews and continues to grow, then it can obviously reach that 10 K, but you know, time is money. So if you don't have as much liquidity and want to take a little bit of a slower route, then you can go with the new store. If you want to rank things up a little bit faster, you have more liquidity, you can go with the seasoned store. Sounds to me like somebody, if they had some money sitting around like an off 401k, you know, or something like that and wanted to retire, yeah. they could pretty much work with you on getting a current store, a seasoned yeah. store, and then be, or, you know, golly gee, that would be quite a return on mm-hmm. investment if it's just in right. a 401k. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the returns are just phenomenal. That's great. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you are just a wealth of information. Very eye-opening. What um, I will put your email in the link, but just for mm-hmm. uh, for people listening, what's the best way they can reach you? Yeah, you can reach out to me at page, P-A-I-G-E, at financiallyfreewithamz.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. You've been just a truly inspirational guest. I am oh. so grateful for your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I've had so much fun chatting with you today and thank you for having me on.